educating 20,000 children on anti-corruption. Step of Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to create awareness of government issues that highlight the cost of corruption and its impact on service delivery. Our podcast is also aimed at promoting values that will help to build a society of people with integrity and provide solutions to service delivery challenges faced by everyday Nigerians. My name is Fermi Adeola. I am the host of this podcast. Um, we haven't brought you a podcast in a little while and we do apologize for that. We're, we've been busy, you know, doing the things that we're going to be discussing about in this podcast episode today. Um, and our topic for today's podcast is educating 20,000 children on anti-corruption with stories from the field. With me, I have um, some of my colleagues. I have my program directors in Aparna. I have the Lagos team lead, Adenike Bamigade, and I have a program associate from Lagos as well, Mr. Samuel Kundayo, joining me. Uh, and my colleagues and I are excited to announce that we reached a new milestone um, in our Catch Them Young initiative, which is meeting or reaching over 20,000 children with anti-corruption education. And so on this podcast, my colleagues and I will just be discussing some of the highlights from our journey to 20,000 and lessons that we can all learn from stories from the field. Um, so thank you, Samuel. Thank you, Nike, uh, and thank you, Zena. Thank you for joining me this morning. Um, as a background for our listeners, South Nigeria launched its Catch Them Young initiative in 2018, uh, and so in September 2019, we partnered with the MacArthur Foundation towards reaching 20,000 children with anti-corruption education. And our hope is to build future leaders with integrity through the use of fun and creative tools um, like our storybooks and our films that most of you are aware of. Um, what started with just Emeka's money and Halima's votes now has two extra storybooks, comic books, and films. And yes, Step Up Nigeria has been able to reach over 20,000 children across Lagos, Kaduna, and FCT with anti-corruption education. In our three years of operation, we have engaged 21,946 children. Um, we've also trained over 250 teachers in schools on creative approaches and techniques to teaching this anti-corruption education to children. Um, so I've talked a lot, but let's hear from those who've been on the field and have been implementing. Um, so I'll start with Zainab. We've now educated over 20,000 children on corruption and integrity, um, including out-of-school children and children who live with disabilities. Um, so these children have been educated from many different states. What are some success stories that you would like to highlight that came out of some of these engagements? Thank you, Fermi. Good morning. Um, I'm very excited uh, to be on the podcast discussing really um, the successes from our project, which for me is doubly exciting because as program director and also as lead implementer in Kaduna State, it's always very you know, impactful to see the real changes coming out of our engagement um, with children and with the different stakeholders. Um, so in terms of success stories, while there are many, I'm just going to speak on, um, on a few. Um, and one of the key things that we've seen is that uh, is the eagerness and excitement of the children um, to actually participate um, or, or take charge, you know, um, in, in tackling issues of corruption. We've seen children um, now taking efforts to resist corruption actively um, or resist corrupt behavior because, of course, at their levels, they are not actually um, always exposed to 
um, they are not active, they, they, they wouldn't be participating in corruption at the level that adults would, but there are still some um, behaviors that enable corruption. And we've seen children taking active steps to resist some of these. Um, some of the things that we've seen is, uh, we've seen children stop cheating in tests and exams. Um, this, where, whereas before these were things that they would participate in without thinking too much about it. After our engagement, we started seeing more children saying, I've stopped cheating, I'm no longer cheating. And beyond even stopping cheating, they also go ahead to report other people who are cheating. Or first, they say, they first of all, they, they try to stop people who are cheating, and if they don't, then they go ahead to report them. We've seen a lot of that, those kinds of stories coming out um, from the children that we've worked with. We've also seen children refuse Using to collect bribes. And some people might be saying, ah, how can children, um, what kind of bribery will children be participating? But actually, we, we do see where children, for instance, we have stories where children were given the task of writing the names of noisemakers in their classes um, and their mates would be making noise and would try to bribe them to say, uh, please don't write my name. I know I was making noise, but don't write my name. But the children would refuse. We started seeing children refusing to collect some of those bribes and still going ahead uh, to write names of noise makers. We have children refusing to collect bribes to vote for their classmates in school elections. Um, sometimes these bribes were, were in maybe cash, but mostly it was in like food items, biscuit or juice or things like that. And the children would refuse to collect it. We see them advocating to their friends to stop corrupt behavior, speaking to their friends on why being corrupt or engaging in corrupt behavior is bad and why they should change it. We even see in some cases where children take the step to teach their friends some of the things that they've learned in class that they understand to prevent their friends from cheating during exams. And of course, we're seeing more children, uh, we're seeing a lot of children launching, launching anti-corruption campaigns in their communities uh, where they are advocating against corrupt behavior. For instance, we have one um, young anti-corruption champion who launched a campaign um, against vote buying in his community. And we saw, even though at the beginning he said his friends were laughing at him, people were laughing at him, but over time, because he kept on with it and he continued speaking to them about it, they became interested and they started saying, okay, let's even see this your storybooks that you're talking about and they sat down and they actually started listening to him um so some of these there are many many success stories that are coming out of our engagement um but these, these are some of the things that we've actually seen from the field from speaking directly um to the children thanks thank you very much Zainab. um like you said, if we if we bring out our list of achievements over the last two plus years, I think we'll have a, a three-hour podcast. Um, but let's move to Nike very quickly. Um, from your experience also as lead in Lagos State, what would you say are some of our greatest successes um, in this period? Thank you very much, Fermi. Hello, everyone. It feels so great to be here. And I am super excited that the Pop Nigeria has reached more than 20,000 children. That's that's a whole lot. And um, I'm more excited because in Lagos, um, we've contributed quite a number to that 20,000, like close to 9,000, 8,500 plus. So, um, and being a program associated in Lagos and the state lead, I have been able to see hands on, like I've been able to experience these changes and we've started recognizing it even from the field before we're 
during the engagement session before we concluded the sessions with the children, um, one key thing for me was that there was the increase in understanding, as in to add to what um, 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 Zainab has mentioned earlier, there was the increase in understanding. Children were, th there was a shift in their knowledge that oh, corruption, maybe they just had a general knowledge of corruption. It wasn't so close to them. So here they were able to understand in a simpler way and um, that actually that actually meant a lot because before we even leave most schools, you hear the children telling one another, oh, um, you, you try paying me bribes. Um, the way I acted with my parents, like I was asked to bring 100 naira to school and I told my mom 115 naira so that I could have like an extra 15 naira for myself. That was bad. Like if I keep doing that, it's more like I I, I might become a corrupt person like they were able to link it up and they were able to use personal stories to um actually show their understanding of the concept of corruption and more importantly they were also able to um, understand the consequences the fact that it's bad and um the anti-corruption values like the good values that they need to emulate to um, stand against corruption. And another beautiful thing that, um, which I would say that it's remarkable that our work has helped us to do is that um, with the storytelling approaches, these children are seeing ordinary people as heroes. A maker could do it, Tosin could do it, Ansa could do it. And this have given them confidence. And we've, and I have like a couple of stories here in Lagos, as in where children have refused to pay bribes, children are speaking out, children are actually forming anti-corruption campaigns, like what Zainab said earlier. And one story that actually stood out for me was um, a boy who, who actually confessed to say that he would he used to pay his um used to give his classmates bribes so that they could vote for him to become the class captain and um even the teachers and the head of the school admitted that the the, the boy was <laughs> was as in the, the boy's attitude in the school was not something good at all. And the the headmistress actually confirmed that after our interaction with the with the school, that there was great changes in the behavior of this boy because the boy actually confessed to say that he used to and it would stop because that was vote buying and um, he wants to become a future leader with integrity. So it would stop because of that. And um, eventually, he didn't just see it, it happened because the administrators actually admitted that <clears throat> as in this boy changed, he became, as in even in other areas of his life, his um, academics and his studies, there were great changes that the administrator said he had to, I mean, she had to nominate him to become the prefect of the school. That she would never dare to do that in years before. So um, that actually showed that um, we are raising not just anti-corruption champions, we're raising future leaders with integrity. Thank you. Thank you very much, um, Nike. Um, so Samuel, would also like to hear some of your thoughts on um, successes. Thank you, everyone. Um, so one of the stories that um, really stood out for me, or one of the things that really stood out for me um, and the success story I would really like to highlight is really beyond um, even having the children change their attitude, is actually having the conversation that they would normally not have. So for me, that's the biggest change and the biggest success story, because before now, um, it was difficult to get a child to talk about corruption and have a conversation about corruption and have them talk about it. But 
I think one of the biggest successes I've seen is now we can have that conversation. We can now talk about, oh, corruption is bad. So for me, that's a success on, on, on its own because now we, we could start conversations that could change their lives and they feel comfortable around it. Because one of the things we were challenging here was challenging the norm that corruption is what should be everywhere. And I mean, corruption is what is everywhere. It is corruption is not. So challenging that norm really, I mean, I think one of the biggest steps was actually starting the conversation, having people be able to talk about the fact that corruption is bad and um, really, really nailing it down to the head that, oh, this is bad, this is bad. So because we, we've heard stories on, on the field where even even at home, some of these children um, are, are not. So um, we heard the story of a, a child that tried to stop his mom from taking bribe, taking bribe, stop taking bribe from his mom to not report his mom to his dad. And we've heard stories. For, for me, one of the stories that stood out um, was the story of one of our anti-corruption champion last year um, um, in one of our out-of-school locations where it, it really stood out and because I, I was there present and it was really challenging all of the norms that, oh, if I was the president, I wouldn't do this. And he said, no, I wouldn't do this. And then it was, it, it was a back and forth between he and his peers. And he said, no, I wouldn't do that. And if we all do that, I mean, what's going to happen? So I, I, for me, this is a success story because all of these things are now starting to, I mean, now, the conversation are now being established in in our society. We can now talk about the fact that oh, children don't be corrupt and they, they receive it. And I, I think one of the like Nick said, one of the things we also I think has also worked was the fact that the, the kind of approach used in nailing this down was actually very effective because the children now they got comfortable talking about something they would not. So it was a complex topic, but they got comfortable talking around it. So for me, that's the success success challenging the norm and having a conversation about all of the things that we would normally not do before now. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Samuel. Thank you, everyone. And it's it's quite key, like you said. Um, when we launched this initiative, many people said, why primary school? Why children that small? Should they, you know, learn about corruption at such an early age? Don't you want to keep their innocence and other things? Um, but like you've all said, it's been quite important. And I think just I would like to highlight um, the success of our tools. So South Nigeria has anti-corruption storybooks, comic books, and now two animated films, um, all of which you can find on our YouTube channel, Step Up TV. But it's how the tools in themselves have had such an effect on the children. Um, we've heard, like Nikkei said, of schools where children used to pay bribes and use um, electoral corruption during their prefectship election in their schools who have stopped doing those things. And like Zainab also said, a lot of schools have reported reduction in, in, in cheating, rather, in the classrooms and then children are motivated to report cheating and stealing um, and even through some of the creative writing um, sheets that we've received I've seen a lot of young girls write essays about rape, um, child marriage um, and just the girl child in general and it's, it's good to see even the unintended outcomes of our work in discussing corruption, but also highlighting other social issues that make these children more aware about what's happening in their society. Um, but also the impact that the movie and the films have had. And, and like you've all said, we haven't done this work in isolation. Um, we've worked with government partners, we've worked with teachers, we've worked with even students in schools. And teachers have also been able to use these books and these tools to educate more children than we would ever have been able to reach, even far more than 20,000 that we're celebrating today. Um, and so I think one of the successes would be how those tools in themselves have been able to educate people even without us physically interacting with them. The books are available, the films are available, and we've seen the sorts of people using that so far. I, I would like us to talk a bit about um, the storytelling approach, and I'll go to Samuel for this. Um, the approach 
approach we use ourselves in Nigeria is a storytelling approach. So we like um, to use that to tackle attitudes and behaviors because we believe social norms need a behavioral approach to be tackled. Um, so what do you think we've learned from using this storytelling approach to teach children? Just one lesson you think we've learned. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Um, one of the um, lessons I think I, I personally have noticed and learned from the use of the storytelling approach is the fact that um, the ease of acceptance by the children, it makes, I mean, the children accept easily. So um, we get there and then we have conversations. So normally things they would not say. So we, we I think the storytelling approach sets, um, sets the, um, the, the, the pace. So it, it, it brings a very tender, atmosphere so where they could actually speak and so we're learning about a maker nothing about you so we're talking about a maker but i mean for eventually something that a maker had done you had done before so i mean they begin to say oh i used to take uh, my mom would tell my my teacher told me to bring 200 naira to school and i asked for 500 naira um, so and it's all in a very um tender environment no so because it, i think this is contrary to what they get in their everyday life where oh you did this you did this well, so it creates this atmosphere where they, they begin to easily or oh, they can relate easily if I, oh i've done this i've done this oh it is really not good it's really not good. oh I, I shouldn't do this i should so it's for me the, the one of the biggest lessons from using the storytelling approach is the fact that it creates an atmosphere where the children are they, they feel very welcome to speak they, they, they feel safe to engage so using the um, some of the materials the oh this is vote buying i saw this somewhere oh bribery um one last time the farm man came to our house somebody climbed the somebody went to give him money they didn't cut our lights oh and it's not good next time what will happen oh next time i'll tell the person not to collect because it is a bribe and it is bad so that is of accepting the language and being able to relate with that complex topic at their level is really one of the biggest lessons learned for me thank you very much thank you samuel um like you're saying, I think what I also took from what you said is how the children are able to take ownership of their lessons. So it's not just like mathematics or English where it just comes and, you know, pours out information. They own it like, you know, I can be like Emeka or Halima or Tosio Ansa. They see themselves. And that's also our, our hope in educating this number of children that we help them to reinforce positive messaging um, and also encourage them with good role models who have integrity that they can also follow. Um, and I think of a school like the Battle Arts Academy, which I will bring up now um, as an example, who have taken it upon themselves after we visited their school, they took it upon themselves to really expand the anti-corruption program. And now what they do every year, they have a yearly anti-corruption champion from the student body. Um, so it's not an election. Every year they ask the whole school to do a creative competition. I mean, since the last time we we're there and Naomi and Blessing um, were selected from our creative rights competition, they've gone ahead to do that every year. And so they have a new anti-corruption champion in their school who we met the last time we were there. And so it's things like that where schools buy into the idea of building future leadership and then own it, um, and then use their own ideas. The, the beauty about the creative and storytelling approach, like you're saying, is that there's, it's not one size fits all or one way. It's it's creative. You can use art and song and drama and film and anything that really does tell a story. Um, so I'll move to Zainab next. Um, you can talk a little about any lessons you think you know we should discuss, but also any significant challenges that we faced in reaching 20,000 children. What were they and how were we able to overcome them? Okay, um, so of course with, um, with you know, 2020, 
COVID-19 happened um, and because our project had really been designed um, designed around going to schools and engaging directly with children uh, with the ordered lockdown and the shutdown of schools, that was difficult. We could no longer go to schools um, to engage with children. Um, and so it really put a pull on our activities at the beginning of, at the, in the first quarter and second quarter of, of 2020. Um, but what we then did was because the overall goal, the, which which is the beauty, why the project is really interesting and beautiful, because we have different strategies from it for engaging children. The end product, um, the end goal we expect to see come out of it is to see children getting the knowledge that they require, anti-corruption education, being educated on what it means um, to be an anti-corruption champion, being able to resist corruption, to act with integrity and all of those things. Um, and so the different components included training of teachers because teachers are always in the classrooms with children. Um, even if we go to schools and leave, teachers are always there. And so what we did is we focused on training teachers throughout the period. Teachers are not in school, but they still have access. They are still able to join virtual training programs. So we migrated our teachers training program from a physical program into a virtual program and created like a real learning website, a training website where teachers from different from our intervention states signed up um, and participated in training. Um, and so after you know, COVID, uh, after the lockdowns, when the, when the lockdowns were now lifted, because we trained teachers already, those teachers that we trained went directly into classrooms and started training children um, that we couldn't reach. So by the time we're now seeing the numbers coming out of, in terms of numbers of children engaged, we were still hitting our targets because we'd now trained teachers who are now training children. Teachers we trained were now training children. Um, and so we also uh, used, um, we also use the, the virtual platforms. We try to use technology that was more familiar with children because now they were home. We thought what would be easy, how what would be the easiest way to reach children now that they are home and not in school. Um, and WhatsApp was one of the tools, uh, the platforms that we leveraged because a lot of Nigerians have WhatsApp. They have a phone in, in a household, you have one, household member who has a phone that has WhatsApp on it. So we're able to use that to train some of the children as well during the lockdowns. Um, and that's joined with um, joined with the, the teachers training helped us to, you know, meet the target and continue our our, uh, our projects, even while other people were, you know, hampered or hindered by, by the pandemic. And when the, the lockdown was eventually lifted, we were actually surprised because I think eventually 2020, we had the highest numbers of children even engaged um, since since we started um, rolling out the project. So even with the lockdown, we're still able to, to reach children and, and engage them. Um, in terms of the lessons that we've learned, um, we've realized that um, what, one key thing that we've realized is the importance of carrying stakeholders stakeholders along um, and our stakeholders are different for the work that we do at Step Up. Our stakeholders involve both the teachers, the school owners, um, government uh, policy makers in the education sector, members of the media, you know, just, you know, as the broad level. And it's really important to carry everybody along and get them to understand the purpose of the project at inception. Um, because what that helped us do was everybody bought into the project from the beginning. And so it was really, it was much, much easier um, to get required approvals, um, to get them to attend our events when we're doing like 
when we're doing feedback sessions um, to get to understand what was working and what wasn't. We had a lot of people coming in and sharing with us what they thought was working and even enthusiastically sharing with us what we could do better. And one of the key things that came out of some of those sessions was the need to reward people who are taking active steps towards resisting corruption and, or, or acting with integrity. Because what that does is it shares with other people that this is a good thing to do, this is worthy of emulation, and so other people should join and start doing it as well. And once we started doing that, we, we saw, that, and that's how our anti-corruption star awards came about, because stakeholders were really keyed into it and they're like, we think you should do this, we think you should do this, we think you should do this. We would not have had that level of ownership if we'd just gone to stakeholders to say, this is what we are doing, we just want to notify you. But because we designed with them, we shared with them from the beginning, and so at every step of the project, we provided feedback and um, feedback on how on our progress. We let them know how we're doing um, and things like that, and we shared challenges, and they now shared solutions that they thought could help us overcome some of those challenges. So it's really key designing with um, stakeholders from inception, and that's a key lesson that we've learned that we're going to continue um, using for the for for whatever projects we're running or continuation of this project in future. Thanks. Thank you very much, Zainab. Um, that was a nice, robust answer to that question. Um, so, Nikia, very quickly as well, would like to know, you know, what key lessons do you think that we've learned and what challenges did we face along the way and how did we overcome them? All right, thank you. Um, for the challenges, I'm going to use Lagos as an example because um, in Lagos, we started from scratch. I mean, the step of Nigeria has been operating in Abuja before we came to Lagos, like one year after. So I had I was responsible for ensuring that we kick up, we kick off and we are able to start as soon as possible. So that came with its own challenges because we had to um, look out for partners. We had to just start everything from grand zero. And um, there were a lot of lessons learned and we believe that this was part of its own, ex as in that was experience that I, I wouldn't trade at all. I mean, reaching out to private stakeholders, public stakeholders and trying to get them um, to be part of what we are doing. And to uh, mention a bit about what Zainab said, so because we had a strategy to um, to bring our stakeholders from the scratch for, for them to be part of the development, for them to be part of the process. So we couldn't just start anything without having that. We needed to sell the vision to them. And um, I, I remember we struggling with um, trying to even make them understand that um, we are doing this for children because they were like primary school children, they're too young. <laughs> I remember a, 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 a government um, stick, um, MDA like sending us out to say, you guys should go to senior school. We don't need you in primary school. Like they're too young to understand the concept of corruption. But we, we had lessons. I mean, we had um, success stories even in Abuja. So we wanted to present this, but we didn't have the opportunity, but we just take it steady and um, slow. But eventually it ripped off because now they are the one chasing us to say, oh, please, we want you guys to come um educate our primary school student because we can see that your approach is working so um i would say that the um for the challenges we were able to overcome it was that we're just persistent we were we, we we didn't just give up we we kept engaging the stakeholders in other areas even though they didn't agree to our first initial um request 
then COVID came, we, <laughs> that, that was a big challenge on its own. So I, I wouldn't go into that because Zendo mentioned, um, mentioned that, but the aspect that we, we had to work with schools, it was a bit of a struggle. Schools were trying to complete their, um, that's the, the activities for the year. So it was a bit of a struggle trying to um, get them to to approve our engagement session with their children. But eventually that happened because one thing I would say at Step Up Nigeria is that we, we always look out for solutions, we always look out for innovative ways, approaches that we can make this happen. And the fact that we, we during the COVID, we turned from, okay, engaging children to engaging um, um, teachers actually helped a lot as well. So we've, we've engage almost like more than 250 teachers already and they're already and um, transmitting this knowledge to their children okay so for the key lessons learned um i would just say the part of we 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 do not leave any child behind i think that's a very good one we do not leave any child behind so we engage we we extend that corruption education not wholly to in-school students also to out of school students, out of school children rather, children who are on the streets, um, delinquent, um, um, juvenile and all that. So we also do not leave our children living with disabilities because of our diverse tools, so our storytelling approaches, we have um, books, we have movies, we have audio books. So it's appropriate for every kind of child. So every kind of child can relate to it. So um, our experience working with children living with disability, for example, I would say that the key lesson I've learned there was that those children could, they, they, were, able to, um, they were able to understand that, they, they were able to connect with the messages, like because we actually use the appropriate tool for them. So, and um, another key thing I observed is that it would be best for them to see like people like themselves in some of those, like in the books or in the movies as well. So I think it's a key lesson that will take note moving on to ensure that maybe one of the characters in our movie um, actually show a hero that, um, that as a form of disability, you understand, so that that would encourage those children that this is someone like you who is also um, doing something to, um, who is also showing confidence to um, tackle corruption. So that's all I would say. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nike. So finally, as we will be wrapping up the podcast, um, I'd like to know your thoughts on what you think of Nigeria you know, projecting forward, what do you hope to see that we would have achieved in the next, you know, maybe three-year project or two-year project? So what do you think we should be expecting forward-looking? Um, I'll start with Zainab. Um, okay, thanks, Parame. I think definitely we would be looking at, you know, reaching more children um, with the project, um, getting more young anti-corruption champions who will serve as ambassadors um, in their schools, in their communities, in their homes, spreading the word, um, about the need to act with integrity, to resist corruption, um, and be upstanding citizens in the community. I think we'll, we'll definitely be looking to do more of that, reaching more children. Um, um, and uh, a big part of what we're also going to be looking at is, you know, reaching more states. Uh, currently, we work in, we've worked in about five states now, um, and currently we're in three states. 
So we would be looking at expanding that to reach more states um, across the different um, geopolitical zones in Nigeria. Um, we do. We set, I'm certainly looking forward to expanding some of the other initiatives that are emerging from 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 the project, um, like the Anti-Corruption Star Awards, um, making that a bigger platform um, so that beyond the children who are participating actively in the project, um, children all over the country can also see the champions, um, maybe have the champions uh, be on, inter on on national platforms talking about what they've done and why they emerged as the, the national, the winners. Um, in, in, in a particular year so that it inspires other young people um, across the country um, to also start taking up, even without step up, engaging them, start taking up their own actions to say, oh, if someone is winning an award for this, this is probably something that I, I should also take up as well. So definitely we want to see all of that as well, continue working with the different stakeholders, um, get more buying. Also, we would we, we also, um, one of the things we haven't talked about during uh, this, uh, the course of this is um, the adoption of our tools and approval of our tools, um, our different tools, especially our anti-corruption storybooks. Um, we do want to see more of that. Um, Currently, we have one of our books approved by the NERDC at the national level. We have all four of our books currently approved by the Curriculum Service Department in, in Lagos State. So to see more of that, which means that we can then get those books into the hands of more children, uh, more school libraries, so that more children have access to these storybooks, um, which teach anti-corruption values, so that they can read it for themselves, hold it in their hands, read more, share with their friends, share with their siblings some of the lessons that they've learned. Because one of the key things we've seen is that just reading the storybook is also helping to change the behaviors of children towards corruption and, and change corrupt behavior, encourage more children to resist corruption. So those the tools work um, and going forward in the next three years to see that every child in Nigeria, um, we start working actively towards getting books into the hands of every child in Nigeria. Yeah. Yes, working to get the books in the hands of every child in Nigeria. I like that. We should, we should patent that um, for our next motto. Thank you, Zainab. Um, so finally, I'd like to ask you guys, forward thinking, forward looking, what do you hope to see from some of Nigeria in the next two, three years? Nike. All right, thank you, Fermi. Um, in the next three years, um, yeah, we, we were able to reach 20,000 children, more than 20,000 children that we can um, we can see we've recorded, but there are there actually more than that. So in the next three years, I'm looking at for um, I I believe that we'll reach much more than that, and the concept is that we've we've tried it and it has worked. So we've um, we've tried the the tools, the strategy, the approaches, and it has worked. So we're just trying to put it on a bigger scale now. So we are, it's gonna be an, on an exponential level. That's the way I'm seeing it. And this is by our, um, this is through our institutionalization process, ensuring that schools actually adopt it. Schools are using these tools. They, they, they integrate anti-corruption education in specific subjects in the school so even if the teachers that we trained eventually leave the school so um putting this um 
permanent stamp in every school is what I'm really looking at for, which it has already started, but it will get more improved in the coming years. And it won't just get more improved, we'll start seeing the ripple effect of it. So it will be on autopilot. So um, our books, for instance, now have been um, approved by, by the key government um, prestators that, that does that. So that means it's it can be it can be used it's 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 it should be used in schools for the specific subjects that it's being adopted for so um we'll be doing more on ensuring that that happens that schools are aware of this we'll be doing more on that we'll also be doing more of capacity development for teachers for trainers not just teachers in schools for trainers um that so that they can use these tools to teach these children um, appropriately in the way that it has worked, it has we've measured and it has worked for us. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that happening and that means more children will be reached, that means more schools will start adopting the tools and um, that means more future leaders with um, integrity will be raised and that's what I look forward to. Thank you. Thank you, Nike. Samuel? Okay, so forward looking, um, for um, I think one of the things we're really we're really keen about them. Um, I think we forgot one of the sources we forgot to mention was how we actually reported all of this on um, using different media media tools. So I'm really seeing some of the children really in the face of people really driving on this message, drawing inspiration from these children themselves using the media. So where people can, I mean, beyond just the states we're engaged now, everywhere in the world, people can see and begin to draw inspiration from them and be like, oh, I can do this because somewhere, 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 somehow this child is doing it. So really, um, I think for me, that's one. Um, another thing I also hope to see is really having um, more conversations with how, like Nick said, how the book gets into more places. And like Zainab had said, um, working to get the book into the hand of every child. So I think that more of that um, in, this, in the coming year. And also one of the things we have done, really seeing how we um, really improve um, on the Anti-Corruption Star Award, where, I mean, taking it to a national scale where um, everybody in the country wants to, because I mean, like we, we, we always say academic um, progress is rewarded, but really, so there's really no reward for integrity. So really drawing that, um, bringing out that part of our, that, that arm of our um, project to actually see how we can drive home, getting it to be a national conversation where, oh, I want to be an integrity champion. I want to be, um, so drawing inspirations from all of those things and then really building um, future leaders and uh, mostly creating more anti-corruption food soldiers all around Nigeria and the world at large. So that's it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Creating anti-corruption food soldiers all around Nigeria and the world, you know, getting some good catchphrases for our, our work to come. Um, thank you, Zainab. Thank you, Samuel. And thank you, Nike, for joining me on this podcast today. Um, just to round up, you know, pulling all our thoughts together. Um, like you all said, it's been good to see how people welcomed the idea of anti-corruption education for children um, and how even schools and our government stakeholders and partners have also you know, keyed in so well. We'd like to even thank people, um, you know, all the state education agencies and even some of the education agencies who we've worked with their club schools uh, and how much we've all decided, you know, just let's partner together. Let's build this next generation because they really are the future that we've been discussing. Um, and so I hope, you know, forward looking for South Nigeria, like we've all said, um, more states, more children, more foot soldiers, um, but also more stories of change, you know, 
we don't want to just do this work in isolation. We want to ensure that as we are educating children, their behaviors are actually changing. Um, and we've seen these results happen. We've seen reduced behaviors of corruption. We've seen reduced bad behaviors in general. And we've seen increased understanding of corruption and also increased confidence to tackle it. Um, and so we hope we have more children like the ones in our stories who reject bribes, who tell their parents to stop giving bribes to police officers, and who have told themselves that now or when they grow up, they will stand and be integrity champions. Um, here we are, South Nigeria, we've reached 20,000 20, plus, about 22,000 children in total. I'm hoping to do so much more in the future. We thank you for partnering with us and listening to all our stories along the way. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Until the next one, we say thank you. Goodbye.